to full energy From bed right here cause they're my enemies Subscribe and like, rate and review Look on top of the baby, I'm get to We're gonna win the trophy, we're overdue Can we do the double, make it deja vu It's a move, London the ting, third one is only on the wing Harry's one of our own island It's only got one E, but let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali that's talking We're the show side, we're the show side We're the show side, what we sing We're the show side, we're the show side it's a new flood to me. Yo, 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 It's the Shelfside Podcast. Episode 85, and boy, have I missed this. How you doing, Kwabna? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> Welcome back, man. Welcome back. Good to have you back. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Well, kind of good to be back in the country. Not, but good to be back on the pod. Yes. Let, let, letting people know and you travel. I've enjoyed yeah. the shows, me. man. It does me. Letting people know you travel. If that was oh. me, bro, there'd be so much chat. But all right. Oh, I haven't claimed to have traveled 14% of the globe or the world's mass. I swear like, this percentage goes up every single time. Every time we talk, this percentage goes up. <laughs> it does. Every single time. It does. It does. Because I missed you. <laughs> you enjoyed the season? You enjoyed the uh, season? Everything good on your side? Yeah, everything's good, man. You know, it's always good to catch up with family, friends, good food, you know. And I managed to avoid um, uh, get, catching COVID, so that's good. So far, so, so good. So far, on that yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Can I just shout out to Carl and Lero? Guys, fantastic work. Like, We need to get you back. This is 2022. Yeah, and I think you guys will be joining on a more frequent basis. And shout out to Lero as well for sending for Carl on the last pod. Carl, we <laughs> await your response. And also, thanks for sending for both of us, Lero, with the YouTube shout. So I guess we've got to be doing that for this episode. So I've got to work on that tomorrow. Thanks on my day off. Nice. Um, and Carl, please respond to Lero. We've got to get this guy in this back and forth. Hopefully, you guys will be on next week. Yeah, it should be good. So, Cobb, we got to get into this, man, innit? We do, man, we do. So, we had a, we had a game against uh, Watford, which, you know, whenever I think about playing at Vicarage Road, um, I think about when we beat them 4-1, Trippier got two assists, Kane scored two goals, I think he scored like two, two, two volleys, I think. Um, and it was just like, we just swept them away, like... Uh, Trippier had established himself as first choice right back. Uh, Davis also was playing because Rose was injured. And it felt like we, our system was so tight, whoever we put out there, you know, just, just dismantled. So it was a fun memory for me. <coughs> this game was very, very different. This game was very, very different. We set up in a way that I thought was expected, to be honest. It felt like what and I believe Conte believes to be his strongest side so all that stuff was standard to me I was like alright cool um, game kicked off they were like up for it but they weren't overly aggressive um, I felt like it was quite a a, com- a comfortable opening of exchanges what did you think? yeah I agree with that obviously spectre formation as you said um, one thing I did note there was no Bergwijn on the bench I think he was ill um, yeah Sissoko was captain I just want to point it out Sissoko was captain of Watford right just point it out and we went into the game with Watford not being able to keep a clean sheet this season 
and Arsenal just dropped points. So for me, just to add on to what you were saying, it felt like a must-win game for us. And the opening exchanges were quiet-ish, but I always felt that we were the more dominant side and I felt like Watford were happy to contain or attempt to contain, especially with Sissoko sitting in a defensive role and four in midfield and just the one up top. I felt like they were ready to just hit us on the counter. I think that was their game plan. Yeah, they seem quite comfortable with that. And they do have fast fast players on the break. King, Dennis, who's in a great in great form. Um, and not going to African yeah, combinations, like um, which is a bit crazy. Uh, yeah. Mm. Well, they're, much, they're very much up for being on the break, on the counter. Um, so that's pretty much how they set up. And look, Ranieri won the league playing that kind of way, right? And so it was fairly straightforward. Um, now, throughout the game, we grew in dominance, you know, started to make better chances as we go along. Um, there are a couple of half chances initially, but... We kept them building, and this was in spite of some poor crossing from Emerson, which we'll come to later. Um, but we continued to like try and fashion chances. There weren't that many which were like clear cut, but there were enough where you know she was good. Um, I think Kane should have scored after Skip won the ball back um, with that sliding tackle. Definitely, definitely just good. Well, should have hit the target at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think he's just good. Um, and apart from that, there wasn't that much of note. Um, our fullbacks continues to be the source of our creativity, which is obviously a great sense of frustration for myself. Um, and Lucas came back in, popping up in his pocket of space, trying to make things happen, drive on, but it just seemed to stagnate pretty quickly. How did you feel the first half went? Pretty much as you described, like, I think both fullbacks struggled to provide quality, although Regulon did have a good strike. Um, I think one of the problems we have, other than the fact that Watford allowed us to play out wide, they dared our fullbacks to cross. I could guarantee if they were playing Liverpool, they wouldn't have dared Robertson and Trent to cross, but they dared our fullbacks to cross. They thought that they had the centre backs' um, power to nullify any threat we had in the air so they thought they were more dominant and it appeared so we didn't beat the first man with a lot of our crosses if we did the crosses was too um hit too heavy so that was kind of the source the other source was into feet um into cane and it, it's almost you and i love basketball as we've mentioned on the pod so many times and right now my team um are struggling from deep with a three-point shot right and i likened that to the cross because what teams are now doing to the Celtics is saying we'll guard the paint and you guys shoot from free right because you, you, you're not good at it and it was a similar thing on Saturday Watford were doing but obviously a different sport they were saying have the ball out wide cross it we can deal with it right and the other thing we then tried to do which I like into basketball is feed it into Kane's feet with his back to goal he was like post-up play like a centre in the paint trying to get the ball out his feet, turn and make something happen. But if the paint's packed, i.e. the defensive area is packed, then there's not much he can do. So the ball was invariably coming back out. And we didn't really open them up as much as I think we should be doing to a side that's bottom of the table or near the bottom of the table. Um, and that's obviously something we've discussed in the past that um, we need to work out as a team. We need to figure that out. I mean, for us... The lack of creativity going through the middle and forcing that out wide is great if you have players who, even if you can't cross, Aaron Lennon was not a great crosser of the ball, 
but he knew how to beat a man. And he had one trick in his locker to go in and out, and that was it. But he did to great effect, right? For us, it's like we don't have great delivery from out wide, but then we also don't have the ability to like... I've always thought that Regulon can beat his man. It didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like that um, the other day at all. Sadly, it didn't feel like that. I don't know about you. I didn't feel like he had the beat yeah, of his man. I think... I think- I think that's the case because of the setup, right? If you're playing even and it's one-on-one, right, you have more chance of beating your man. But if they're not attacking and they're letting us come on to them, then invariably, and they know we're going wide, invariably they're going to have support. So you've got more than one man to beat. Now, Regulon can beat his man as much as definitely most players in the league because he's quick and he's quick off the first step. Touch it go past and deliver. Whereas I don't think, I heard you guys on the pod last week talking about Royale and yeah, Royale's got to work that out in terms of one-on-one getting by his man and getting a decent crossover. I think Regulon can do that and I think Regulon's probably suffering from a bit of fatigue because there's no rotation for him, really, because the rotation at the moment is Matt Doherty um, because Sess is injured and he's not going to play Davies out wide. But I think in addition to that, I think in addition to daring us to go out wide, I think what we struggle with as well is away from um, midfield creativity, we know this, is the lack of movement from the front three. Kane's movement consists of dropping deep and Son's movement consists of running left to right and Lucas buzzes around. What I don't think we see enough of from the forward line is interchanging positions and that doesn't mean Kane dropping deep. That means Kane drifting out left, Son running central, Son even going to the right, Lucas, and literally being fluid in the forward line to move the defenders around so that the pass from Skip Hoiberg into them is creating more problems. You're easier to mark when you're static, right? You're a lot harder to mark when you're on the move. And I don't think our forward line is that mobile in terms of lateral movement. And I think, especially with Kane, they become stuck in their ways. And I don't think that helps. Yeah, no, you're right. And I, I think that, that lack of... This, it's almost like we just kept on expecting something new to happen from doing the same thing, which yeah, I, found, exactly. I found really frustrating. But, alas, in the end, we found a way to get it done. We got that, we got that elusive goal. It came from a very unlikely source, Mr. Davison Sanchez. And, yeah, go on. I said, oh, Davison. I think his transformation and the content has gone relatively unnoticed. Yeah, I make you right there, mate. I think everyone's harping on about Dyer being this quarterback and Dyer this and Dyer that. And and let's have it right. Let's have it right. Um, Dyer's done okay. Dyer's done, Dyer's done what we would expect of him to be able to do as a quarterback in centre-back, right? Has Dyer shut down anyone as centre-forward of note? I would say no, not yet. Um, and that will be the test for him. As Whereas we know Davison Sanchez um, likes that battle, that one-to-one battle. But I think what Davison has shown us recently is a lot more composure, you guys spoke again last week about his overlapping, underlapping, and what that gives and what that doesn't give, or what how we want to it's see like, that it's evolve. Like you heard us, but that's we were calling, we were calling <laughs> yeah. about, and then bang comes up. He, he heard it. Yeah, 
He heard it, and and Lero touched on his chance against Palace, where he found himself in the box and should have scored, but the actual moment of getting in the box and controlling the shooting um, was something you you wouldn't have picked Davidson Sanchez to do last year or under any previous manager. He scored headers before, yeah, he's come up from corners and caused some damage, but he scored more goals under Conte than he's done under all of his previous managers. He only scored one previous league goal for us. But more to that um, is his defensive play. He actually looks like he is in control. And often he hasn't been in control. I mean, the guy's got, unfortunately, got a meme of him falling over and trying to head the ball against him, right? man. And memes live forever. <laughs> I didn't even want to think about it, but that was, yeah, loud, yeah, yeah. Oh God. But he seems more in control this season. Now, I think at the start of this season, again, let's have it right. When everyone was calling that Dyer being our best centre back after we didn't concede after three games, Davison was our best player. Like for all those three games where we won one nil, Davison Sanchez was actually our best player. Then he got. It was the infamous call-up, wasn't it, to the yeah, World yeah, Cup, yeah. Um, him and the Argentines, and then got, uh, what's, what's the word we have to say now? Not segregated, what's the word? When you are isolated, isolated, isolated. Yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. isolated in wherever they isolated in, I can't remember now, and um, then never got... Croatia or something? Yeah, yeah, it was Croatia, I think it was, yeah. And then kind of got forgotten about, because obviously Romero then came back the first game, and then it was, he was kind of like left out. Then came back in, didn't do so well. But I think now under Conte, I think, I'm hoping, he's been unlocked, as they say in the mm. game. We've actually unlocked the Davison Sanchez we thought we would have at this age, at 25. I think, I think now we're looking at a player who... It's, it's straight, it's, it's almost like he just wants to focus on doing his job. Like that's that yep. that's it. Like he doesn't care about. He's, he's kind of, he doesn't care about like the love. He doesn't care even. It's, it's almost like he doesn't even care about like playing. Like he doesn't want to get caught up in any of the other riffraff. He's just he's just very focused on doing his job effectively. And the level of concentration and focus he's showing now. Look, I'm sure he's like he's never uh, more than a couple of mistakes away. But what we've seen this season has been a significant change. Like of the twelve games. That he could have played the season, he started ten of them, right? Under Conte, um, and and he in that time, like like you said, he's grown in confidence. He's become way more um, combative. He's having to do the up the the, the underlapping overlapping thing as a as a centre back. Um, but in that time, even across the season, right? So he's got like a fifty percent success rate for his tackles which I mean as a defender I feel like that should be better but mm-hmm. it hasn't seemed to hamper our defence overall like made 9 blocks so far this season 14 interceptions like his jewels he's got a 60% success rate of his jewels and I've always had an issue with Sanchez because I feel like his his size his demeanour like everything should suggest that he should be much better like he dominate, should dominate yeah. his opposition. He doesn't seem to do that. So even while his stats don't necessarily jump on the page, 
especially like his park his passing accuracy is hovering around eighty five percent, which isn't bad at all. Um, for for mm-hmm. someone who I'm sure people don't consider to be very good with his feet, um, got two goals this season. Um, has managed to avoid many yellow cards. I mean, two is not bad. That's um, yeah, very good. For, for Send back. it back. Like we've always said that the physical attributes for Sanchez was there. Is it whether he can concentrate for long enough, whether he could get the technique, and whatever tools he has currently, Conte is getting the most out of those tools. And for me, that's something to be really excited about, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And just to add to that, let me add two things that I've seen kind of... I left these to last, just to add to what you were going to say, what I've said, the evolution of Sanchez. There are two things I've picked up on that showing guile and growth, right? One of those is, we. I believe we were winning against Palace when Zaha got sent off. Yeah. Yes, we were 1-0 we up. Yeah, we were 1-0 up. But there's no doubt that the sending off helped us to a comfortable victory by taking off out their most potent threat or most active player. Uh, some could argue it's Conor Gallagher these days, but definitely Zaha is one of their most important players. And Sanchez was involved in both the decisions that brought yellow cards against Wilfred Zaha. So I think there was a bit of guile shown when he got clipped on the ankle to go down so theatrically. Don't get me wrong, it probably did hurt him a little bit, but then involved in a little pushing battle that then frustrated Zaha to get him sent off. Now, maybe it's just fortunate on Sanchez's behalf he was involved in both, but maybe there was something in there, that little niggle that allowed him to get into Zaha's head that enabled Zaha to lose his control and get sent off. Right? Yeah. That could be some growth there that we've seen, some guile. And in the Watford game, uh, there was a moment where the ball was played back to Sanchez. There wasn't much on. The ball had actually gone beyond Sanchez. He was now running back towards his own goal. And we've seen this so many times, and this was one of the most frustrating things for Sanchez, was on the ball, that when he got the ball played back to him, on the the halfway line or just beyond it going backwards he would turn and give the ball to Lloris and you think any momentum you've built up is just gone and what he actually did in this occasion where he was probably five or ten yards over the halfway line going back to his own goal what the defender was running towards him he actually rather than going back to Lloris put his foot on the ball and dragged it back and turned and went the other way and this shows me the confidence that he's actually been given by Conte to actually be comfortable on the ball to play football. And he turned out and passed it and we retained position, but going forward. And if you think about that, in addition to the fact that he's now overlapping and underlapping on the ball and getting crosses in, that's definitely an evolution for Davison Sanchez that I didn't see coming, for sure. That's a very that's a very good observation, man. That's a very good observation. I didn't actually see that. I didn't see it happening. And I think... It's just it's it just underlines so much the importance of a coach, man. Like it sounds so basic. It sounds so basic, but you know people are going on. Oh yeah, it's not the coaches, the players, it's the players, it's the players. When you see some of the changes that have been made, you just know there's just so much more to it. There's just so much more to it. I mean, uh, you know, there is. Go on. No, I was going to say there is. There, I mean. So this is the thing, right? This is one of the things I wanted to touch on in, in general. Like, 
we this was our first actual away win under Conte, right? Yes. Um, I think that that had gone unnoticed, and I think everyone's getting excited, and rightly so. Conte's a great coach, um, but it's a slow process, right? In terms of what Conte can do with a bunch of players that people have struggled to do in the past. So what we have to look at is the incremental um, changes and progress that's happening. One of those is, as we're discussing, Davison Sanchez. The others is someone like Ben Davies, and we've seen it with a little bit with Reguilón, right? And these things are creeping into the game and maybe the evolution of Skip as a whole, but we couldn't, we can't really judge that because we didn't get to really see it under anyone other than Nuno. Um, but it's not going to, everything's not going to happen overnight. And I think what we've seen is a run of games where they've used the term winnable by the Liverpool game, winnable games. And yes, they are winnable games, but we've seen under Nuno that we've also lost those games, right? Mm-hmm. So you were calling out Kobna for a, a run, like he's similar to what he had at Chelsea, to get us in the picture. Um, that got them in a title race, in a, um, which they ended up winning. Um, but this was, we needed a run of games, run of victories to propel us up the league table. We haven't had that exactly the same style of wins run, but we've been undefeated eight games and was it five wins and three draws, right? So there has been a turnaround. It has been aided by the fixture list. It has been aided by five home games out of, or I think it's six home games out of eight because yeah, Everton and what? No, five home games out of eight, Everton, Southampton, Watford away. But we hadn't won away and now we've, taken that monkey far back. Lloris is now up to eight clean sheets. The other day they were praising Ramsdale for having nine and he's got eight. Again, that's another quiet evolution. He just keeps on showing his quality week after week at the age of 35. Um, So I think to your point, the importance of having a coach, but I just want to add for everyone to understand, pump the brakes a little bit because the run has been something that we would expect at our Tottenham side a good Tottenham side to do. But I think we also have to put in perspective that the Nuno and the Jose under those guys, we hadn't always achieved. I don't think we ever achieved eight undefeated games in the Premier League. So there is definitely progress and it is down to Conte. And we just need to look at these little things because if we then go and lose to a Chelsea in the league, then I don't want everyone to start throwing the toys at the pram and saying he's got to go or there hasn't been any progress. That's, I mean, and that's fair. That is fair. Um, I think one of the... One of the, Another, like, in, continued, like, performer... Who, and, you know, I saw a lot of slander. Um, I saw a lot of slander on, on Twitter, which is not necessarily the best place to go for uh, opinions sometimes after we've had a, a game that hasn't gone <laughs> our way. But there's a lot of talk about Son. Right. Oh, he's um, he's not he's not at it at the moment. Um, he's a bit he's going through a bit of a, a poor patch. And I was looking at it and I was like, at times where we need something special, I feel like Son's popped up and delivered. Um, so for me, I feel like he's fast becoming our most clutch player. Now, like you said, we're both into um, we're both into basketball, and <clears throat> clutch is described as a clutch situation is described at any point when the game is the game. The different team, the two sides, is within 
five points and there's less than four minutes, I think, to go. I think that's the yeah, situation. I know. So, you know, in, in any term, basically, when you need something special, when the game is tight, when you need something special to break that deadlock, who's the guy going to come up clutch for you? And what happened has been Son. Now, we were talking before we came on to recording, and I was saying he's fast becoming our most clutch player. And you said to me, what's the evidence of that? Like, you know, you challenged it, obviously, saying, uh, what can I say to back that up, or what do I think is um, kind of a couple of examples for me? And for me, I think, he's done a, I think he's done it a couple of times. I think whenever Kane has been out, Son has stepped up, right? And this isn't just in games against, you know... I don't know, Burnley or whoever. These have been like big, big games. You know, in the past, we've seen him step up in the absence of Kane against sides like Man City, like top Man City sides. Like Man City sides who had, I think they've won like 23 out of 24 games at, at the time of which Son came up with the win, with the win um, to beat them. Um, he's come up against Dortmund, um, remember in Champions League, popping up a goal against um, Dortmund when in the absence of Kane. Um, yeah. There's so many. There's like Watford uh, needs to break a break a deadlock against uh, Newcastle, uh, Leicester. Like when we need a goal, when we need a goal, he's often been the guy to to come in and knock the doors down. And for me, him being involved again with a set piece, it was a great set piece, man. Like on the surface, it looked like he just put it in the mixer and saw what happened. But no, it was a, it was enough. It was close enough to the keeper for him to be worried. But like. In a dangerous enough area for one of our players to get to, right? And to me, even in the, even in those late moments, to keep his head and to put it where it needs to be put, it's nice to have that kind of match winner in your side. Look, it's great credit to Sanchez. He leapt higher than anyone else. It was a fantastic header. Um, and all credit to him. But I think that we've seen so many times we've been in crossing, position, in crossing positions and we've kind of fluffed our lines and stuff. But... Son put exactly where he needs to put. And I think it's not the first time and nor will it be the last in which he's done that. I feel that, not to not to pit them against each other, Kane is a very important player, right? And I find that when he's playing well, you know, we always have a chance. He's one of the top strikers in the world. But he's very much like, he's good when we're good, when he's good, we're good type of situation. But when we're bad and we need something, Kane is the person I expect to come up with it. I, he's just not. Where Son fully is. And he started to make that a regular, regular occurrence. Man, so yeah, I mean, you're right in terms of me questioning the use of clutch because I thought you were referencing this season solely. Um, and obviously clutch, as you touched on, five points, last four minutes of a, of a game in basketball. So that was the reference I thought yeah. you meant. But when you're talking about the big game player, the big moments, and I guess that's what clutch is talking about, um, in general, when someone says you're clutch, it's talking about the player who comes up big at the biggest moments in time. And there is, without a question of a doubt, there is no question. Um, other than Hugo, who pulls off saves when like, we need him to most of the time, the only other player you could say that about is Son. Kane doesn't do it. Kane is more of Mr. Consistent, and I think Son can be streaky, but people only judge Son a lot of the time, on the goals he scores, right? But let's look at those goals he scores. They're usually in big games. He's usually producing big moments. You touched on prime City sides. He's probably our top scorer against City. from the posh area against City. 
without a doubt, I can I can lay my house on the fact that he's the top scorer against City. He ain't Kane. He's again. I can tell you that much. It definitely ain't Kane. Um, he's probably the top scorer against Liverpool in that time as well. So didn't he score at Anfield last season as well? Kane put him through and yeah, he scored yeah, one that was yeah, disallowed. Yeah. 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 So, and you mentioned some, you mentioned, uh, you off air, you mentioned to me the Swansea yeah, one yeah, yeah, last yeah. minute. He scored against Palace in the last minute, I think, as well. He scored important goals at important times for us. And I think, yeah, definitely, he is the guy that always tends to pop up. And maybe it's because he's harder to mark coming in from the left and fullbacks fall asleep. And especially against City, when their fullbacks go high, he can do that diagonal run in behind them. And, and maybe that is fair. But at the same time, when you think about it, he is the one that is producing those moments of magic and the cross you alluded to on, or discussed, not alluded to, against Watford was the best cross of the game for, from our perspective. It's one of those crosses like, um, who's that kid from Palace, Elise? If you don't touch it, yes, he yes, scored yeah, from the weekend yeah, yeah, from yeah. a cross. Yeah. And it goes directly in. And that's exactly what he did against Watford at home in the 1-0 game that you mm. mentioned. He crossed the ball into the box with whip, with pace, that if you don't touch it, it goes in. And that's ex- give that guy, yeah, you have to give the you have to give the keeper something to think about. And he, and he did it. Exactly. You could argue that their line was too deep. You could argue that maybe someone should have challenged Sanchez, but at the same time, it was perfect for Sanchez to get his head on. And again, the keeper can't come for it. And the keeper can't leave it. And he's he's in two minds. But yeah, no, definitely, definitely he is clutch. But can I just say something? Who's Somebody who may be challenging him for Mr. Clutch this season is actually Davison Sanchez. And I'm going to just touch on him again and his rise. Because you talk about clutch in the t- basketball terminology. Who was the player that earned us a point against Southampton? Davison Sanchez. That's true. If, if he doesn't put that block in... That's 2-1 Southampton. They win the game, we lose that point we gained. If Sanchez doesn't head that goal in against Watford, we draw the game, we drop two points. He's earned us three points in the last two games. Very, very in the good last point. moments of very the game. Very good point. Very good point. And I, I, I would love, I would love to see a continued growth like from, from Davison Sanchez because, like we've said many times, he has the attributes. Um, it's time for him to come good. He's entering the age where centre-backs are supposed to come in into their own. If he can do that in the content and learn something that thinks he's going to last for a long period of time, then I think we've got a great player there. Yeah. And Davison, if you're listening, I know you are. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> because I don't want us to be Dr. Tottenham out here when we a month where we're going to play Chelsea three times in Arsenal. So don't yeah, don't yeah that's, that's, that's keep, the, keep the good work that's going. Real talk, that's real talk, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so... From one, one defender to another, um, Emerson Royale, I mean, this is, very, this is very basic. I've heard a lot of people talking talk about how he's not good enough and blah, blah. He's been here like two minutes. I think there's been definite improvement. And I am actually quite comfortable with him playing at, um, at uh, right back. I think he's been beaten a couple of times a bit too easily. Um, uh, against Leeds, he got beaten by uh, the guy who set up the goal. Was it Jack Harrison? Was it Jack Harrison? Or was it Dallas? I think, I think, I think it was Dallas. I think it was Dallas. Yeah, Dallas, yeah, yeah I felt like yeah, look, yeah. it was a good bit of skill. It was a good bit of skill. But if I'm playing five aside and someone does that skill and beats me, I'm pissed about that. I am pissed. So, mm-hmm. I, 
it's hard because you sort of you see a good bit of skill, but you're almost like that shouldn't be what's happening to you. So it's, it's a bit, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit hard to to decide one way or the other. But I think in general he's a good one-on-one defender. Yeah, he hasn't been he hasn't been showed up too many times, right? He's played a lot of games now. Um, I think yeah, I think I think he I think generally he's a good one-on-one defender. Um, I think one thing that is a problem though is going forward. His final ball is it's just not good enough, man. It's just not good enough. And I fear that it's holding him back from really making an impact. He gets into the positions, for sure. Um, but his crosses are just like... Just don't, seem to, just don't seem to get to where they need to get to, man. No, 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 they don't. And I think there was a terrible stat that we had... Um, crossed the ball more times than any other club. I think it was this season. I don't think it was in the Premier League era in that single game. And that's shocking considering how many chances did we create from all of those. And the majority of those came from Royale. Now, um, I think Serge Aurier was often criticised and rightly so. He, again, he had the attributes to be a top fullback. And his crossing is probably one of the things that saved him. Don't get me wrong. He didn't always get it right, but there were occasions where he looked up and he was able to put the ball into an area or onto a head. Yeah. And Royal just doesn't seem to be doing that. There was two examples I can think of where he just made the wrong decision. They were both in the first half. One where he got to near the byline and he tried to pick out Kane, which was the most difficult cross of the lot when he had bodies in the box where he could have stood it up and gone far post. And there was another one where he got the ball on the touchline and then just doesn't be the first man when literally, I don't know what kind of cross he was trying to do, but he should have just drilled it across the face of the box. Yeah. And I think he's probably not used to having all of this time and space in this in such an advanced position, right? Because effectively, him and Regulon are our wingers. They're our width. We've said this so many times. They're our laterals, as they say in Brazil. So he should be used to that because he's Brazilian. But, especially when Lucas drops inside, he's got so much space out there. And I know the movement of the forwards isn't great a lot of the times, but just put it into an area. And he's not doing that and he's not beating the first man. So I think after that, I think Conte will definitely be working on crossing for at least three days of next week um, or before we play Chelsea because it's so important. Because Tanganga isn't going to cross it much better. Because um, he's not a fullback by nature and he's not a wide player by nature. So we really need it from Royale. And if he doesn't do it, we're going to be left with Doherty coming in, which is a, a daunting enough prospect. That is a daunting enough prospect, yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting to see if we have something that we continue to do if we believe that we don't have the players to execute it accordingly. Like, do we think that we're going to continue to do it and hope that they are improving in their crossing? Or do you think that at one point we'll just be like, you know, this is long, it's not working? So, I think we continue to do it. And I think we continue to do it because Conte seems like a very... A man, I don't want to use the word stubborn, but set in his ways, right? So... You've been involved in the chats. I've criticised him in our group chat 
against Southampton. I felt there were opportunities for him, and Lero touched on it last week as well, or last pod, that he could have probably changed the shape, especially as they went down to um, 10 men, been a bit more adventurous, um, maybe played Lucas at fullback, for example, if he wanted to, play Gil in the centre, create overloads, create them with different problems, but he feels so comfortable with keeping us sturdy, not just like Jose and Nuno, but sturdy and we can exploit counters and we can create problems from wide, that I can't see him going away from the 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3. So I think either formation means that we're relying on providing um, opportunities from the wide areas. And he came out in the week saying that he's happy with Winks. Winks is... He can trust Winks. And then when asked about Dombele, he said, oh, there's players that he that still need um, something like work or something like that, but didn't say that he's not happy with him. But when asked about Winks, said he's happy with Winks. That tells me that he doesn't rate Dombele. He's not come out with anything positive for Dombele. And Dombele is going to be gone um, in this window if he can go. Um and Lo Celso, he said Lo Celso could be a good player. And we saw Lo Celso come on. And we haven't seen Dombele come on. Dombele's only started one game out of necessity. So if the likes of Dombele are not playing, and the likes of Winks are really our creative players, I think we will always try and go out wide. And he's made a point of playing Sessegnon for Reguillon and really not play Davies out there because he wants his fullback to go up and down. And Royale has been a constant on the right-hand side. And even if Tanganga's played there, he's had to go forward. So I think that's the way we play. I don't think Conte's going to change that. So do you think now, <clears throat> this kind of brings on to the next thing. So looking forward now, the, the, the window is open, right? If you could get one type of player, one type of player, who's that going to be? Bring out all the things you just said about currently all our creativity coming from out wide, um, the improvement of our centre-backs, uh, <clears throat> Kane, potentially coming into form. How do you see... What do you see as our, our area of, of importance? Bear in mind also that there is a chance that players like Nombele might come into the pitch, might come in, might get some game time, or someone like Lissoso might learn how to play the Conte way. These are all possibilities because he's shown he's a great coach, right? And he's shown, and many clubs, I know everyone's done, I've spoken before about how Fabregas came into his title win inside late. I've spoken before about how Ericsson came into his his um, title side like, it's, it's happened. Milan, yeah. So, yeah. when you consider all of those things, if you can if you can get a top top player in one position, where would it be? Yeah, so, there's so many factors, right? You just touched on about half a dozen of them, right? There, there are so many factors there that actually make me change my mind. And I, I, I'm crying out for an attack-minded midfield player, but I don't believe that's the path we're going down. Um, I would love that, but I'm trying to be realistic from a Conte and from a Tottenham perspective, not just say any player, because I can turn around and say any player in the world, the best player in the world, right? But I'm trying to think from a Tottenham perspective, and I'm trying to think of the way we're playing today and what we lack. And if we're going to stick with this formation, which I said I think we're going to do, then we all know we need a backup striker. Kane cannot play every single game. He can't. And 
if you look at what's been successful for Conte, it's always been that strong number nine. So I'm going with a backup or a prodigy um, or a replacement for Harry Kane. I think we've been crying out for that for ever and ever and ever. And ev- and the obvious answer is Valovic from Fiorentina. But the question, there's a question mark on that because everybody wants him. And that means the money goes up, right? 70 million. And I think Conte's already been told that some of the money that you want has already been spent in the summer. So I'm sticking with a centre-forward, but I'm, stick- I'm going to go with an alternative centre-forward. And I think... Interesting. Yeah, I, I, and I like this player in the Euros. And he scored five goals in the Euros, and he scored from the halfway in, in, in the Euros. And he's done well in the Bundesliga this season. I'm going with Schick. And I think he will be available at half the price Valovic is, and he's 25 or 26. And I think he's a strong centre-forward. He's the number nine, and he's a great header of the ball. And I think we're going to be relying on going wide and getting crosses in. So if we can pick him up for 35 mil, and then that allows us to actually get other players in to kind of get Conte closer to where he wants to be. Because remember, it's a short-term fix. If we throw 70, 70 million at one player, what are we going to do with the rest? There is going to be no other money. So I'm going with somebody who will do a job now, who can do a job in the future, who can definitely progress and challenge Kane. Mm. Get goals in the Premier League. He's a big, burly centre-forward with a nice touch. He scored from the halfway line. Go and watch the goal against Scotland again, guys, and tell me I'm wrong. Um, and then we can get the likes of Kessays in, etc., etc., and improve the squad as a whole, rather than just one position. That That's where I would go. No, I, I agree with that. I think also, because all the other positions currently are like a nice to have, because we remember, people, so a lot of people are calling for a centre-back. I think when Romero comes back, we'll see less of a need. Because if we've done as well as we have without Romero on the side, him there is just only make things better. I think the creativity, we already have it in the squad, right? It's just about whether he can convince the people he wants to play to play the way he wants them to. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing. If he doesn't do that, then we have an issue in our hands. So in general, I think that stuff is there. I think a lot of people have been talking about an upgrade at, um, at right wing back. Uh, you know, it's frustrating to not get the attacking output that you want, but they're both solid options, man. And I mean, even if having, even having on paper Tanganga as a, as a backup to that position is not the end of the world. I don't think defensively I'm going to add anything. So I think I would agree with you that Stone Ford is the one. Um, Blavich is obviously a massive... I understand what you're saying logically, going with stick and stuff, and that's cool. But for me, Blavich is a massive statement. It's a massive statement of intent. Oh, yeah. I just don't. I just don't know what happens to Son if you buy someone like Vavage, because you're gonna pay him on top of Kane. You'll probably move to a three-five-two, three-five-two. Yeah, yeah, a three-five-two. Um, you you can't really play Son in behind, and paying him as a wing back to me just brings back dreadful uh, flashbacks of Chelsea. FA Cup final, so I'm going for it. Didn't even want to talk about that. Yeah, maybe look if someone can find a way to work, it's Conte. But I think that's the, the, I think the statement that it makes is bigger than anything. Yeah, but then I mean, if you believe uh, the people around Valovic, their statement was he doesn't want to go to Arsenal. He wants to work under Conte, and oh really? That, that's what one of the people around him said this, and he also said that a season under Kane would be massive for him to learn to play under Kane or to play alongside Kane 
is something that he needs and wants. So I don't think it's a case that he would be expected to play every game alongside Kane, him personally or his people. Mm. So he could be the alternative to Kane. He could partner Son. Like at the end of the day, I don't see Son missing too many games because he's just got that X factor that is too... Yeah, definitely. And yeah, uh, we touched on he can be slightly streaky, but even so, people saying Son hasn't um, like is paying below par. I think he scored in four games on the trot or five games on the trot, and he's our top scorer in the Premier League this season. Like, so let's have it right. He's still getting goals, right? I think that's eight Premier League goals he's got for us this season. So let's put some more respect on Son's name. And Lira always says if Son plays well, and you touched on it, we play well. And even sometimes when we don't play well, Son is the man stepping up. And I just want to touch on Royal again, very quickly. Uh, he is, what, 21? It's a new um, league for him. A lot more physical than any league he would have played in. For and sure. I've been to Brazil. And the Portuguese, my Portuguese isn't great. And the Portuguese they speak in Brazil isn't the same Portuguese they speak in England. So, yes, he's got Lucas there, but there is an adjustment period. If this, if this, if this guy talks to me about travelling in the game, oh, you know, I'm just trying to keep okay. up with the Joneses. Have you ever seen that? Keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. You are the Joneses. <laughs> so, I'm just saying that I think there is an adjustment period that we have to understand and I definitely think Royale playing consistently would... Um, help him improve and I think we're going to see a different guy come the second half of the season and definitely into next season but if you ask me right now would I want somebody a right back who's more ahead of him then definitely but we're not getting a trend so let's be realistic with what we're looking for yeah that's that is, that is very fair we're, we're now kicking off 2020 uh, 2022 in its fruition of all the things that you can hope for in this coming year what are you most excited about? Which prospect are you most excited about? As in player? It could be player. It could be where you think Tottenham could end up. It could be any of that stuff. What? What? what what's the most exciting prospect of 2022? Ah, oh, yeah. So I was thinking more player. Um, and for that can be a player. Can be a player. Yeah, can be, can for be a player. me, it falls between two players and. I would love to see the evolution of Skip before my very eyes become the player everybody believes he's going to be. Um, Interesting. I think, and the reason I say Skip is because this this pivot, as you said, you can't have a double pivot. A pivot is a single point. Um, but this tandem of Hoybeer and Skip doesn't really work, right? It is our strongest side at the moment on paper. That's the one that Conte always goes back to. And I can understand yeah. why, because we've kept clean sheets. Sanchez looks like a centre-back. Davies looks like a centre-back. Dyer looks like a centre-back. All this without Romero. And the full-backs have been able to go forward. So this tandem of a, a four and an eight, or a not-quite-eight, um, has kind of worked. But I'm hoping, like you've touched some of the Cess coming into it and Ericsson coming into it, that going forward, it's only one of those players, right? 
and mm. at the moment everyone's saying skip and I think that's a bit harsh on Hoybier just because I think he's been asked to play a role that isn't his role or the role that he thinks he um, should be playing over the last four or five seasons in the UK right because alongside Ward Prowse he also played the holding role and came to us and now played the holding role since this season so but if you look at the two in, everyone's saying who has got the better potential, then obviously a skip. He's younger. He's shown a bit more at times going forward. Some of the through balls he's done, he seems to have more energy and just not as erratic at times as Hoybier has been. Um, but apparently he's so clever. And I know they said that about Dyer. And he's got so much energy and he's got pace. He kept up with Traore at a point in the Wolves game. And he's, and he's actually a strong boy. And he has the most glowing reports. You know, if you saw his grade in school right now, they would all read nines. Like, that <laughs> is skip. So, <laughs> no, it's, it's honest. Like, and everyone's been drooling over skip. And I never saw it initially, I'll be honest. I never saw it. Maybe I was looking for more gloss, more finesse. I don't know. But... I'm seeing it now, and the love for Skip again. You mentioned Twitter not being the place, the best place to go to for information, etc. But the world has gone Skip crazy. It's apparently Skip's world, and we're just living in it. Now, we used to say that about Don Bele, but now apparently that's the vibe around Skip. So if we can see this evolution of this player, homegrown player who can develop into a person who can hold it, the midfield together by himself to allow a creative midfielder to come in. Similar to what Kante does. Because apparently this guy was a top 1,500 metre runner in school. And that was one of his strong points. If he can give us that energy and that cover that Kante has allowed Pogba to do, say, for France. Because Pogba's not the same for United. We all know this. When he plays alongside Kante, yeah. he's a world beater. Yeah, and yeah, obviously yeah, you know yeah, where yeah. I'm going with this. It's the hope that yeah, Dombele yeah, yeah. could come good and... Skip allows him to do that. So it's the evolution of Skip going forward under Conte, who's a great coach, um, in 2022 that I'm hoping I see for the benefit and the betterment of Tottenham Hotspurs FC. That's it. I didn't think you were going to go with that choice, man. I really I didn't, didn't think I was going to go with that choice until I went there. <laughs> wow, man. Wow. You know, for me, it's it's Champions League football, man. I really think it's a distinct possibility. And I think the possibility of that this season is just so exciting. Like, the idea of... You know, people talk about the music. People talk, talk about... The music you know, is good, though. The music the, is good. Yeah, We're all growing up on great. that music. People talk about... Yeah, people talk about the glamorised. But for me, it's a... It's a reaffirmation... It's a re... Affirmation of the fact that we are where... I feel like we'll it'll feel like we belong there if we get back there now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because when we were first there, we kind of got used to it, but we were still like, oh, right, talk about playing Champions League football. And I didn't get to the stage where I took it for granted. But for me, to be able to leave the competition and to come back, like, this is where we're supposed to be, that's what's going to make me feel like this is where we're supposed to be. Do you know what when I mean? You said the, sorry, and, when you said the first time we got there, you mean the second time? Because we got down to Harry... So the second, yeah. the second time, the second time we got there, it felt like it was different because then it was like consistent, yeah. right? So to go to get back there is almost like that will make it feel like that's where we're supposed to be. 
Because when you're there, you know, over and over again, it's almost like you're enjoying a purple patch or whatever. But now we haven't been there for a while. It's almost like, well, we're Tottenham. They're Champions League calibre caliber side, surely. And when you return, it's almost like people remember, or they look at me like, yeah, this is where they're supposed to be. And I think that would just do wonders just for the vibe around the club, man. Because a lot of people, a lot of players are coming to the end of their cycle of the club, man. I do genuinely believe that. I think it's the beginning of the end for Kane. I think it's the beginning of the end for Son. For a lot of people. But... To have that, and to have a top manager... I mean, Conte's never been good in Champions League. That's the truth. He hasn't. He been just needs to get us there. But, yeah, if he gets us there and there's a foundation of people realising that this is the standard we expect from Tottenham, that's going to be a great feeling. Great feeling. And, I, and that's what I think I'm looking forward to the most. Mate, and I, ha- I make you right there because... what? Uh, let me ask you a question. This will tell us everything we need to know. Kwabna, you're under oath... What is the Europa Conference League music? Sing it to me. Right, do you have music? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do they even have music, bro? I don't even know, That's bro. That's exactly wow. the thing. Everyone can pick out the Champions League music. Everyone can hum along wrongly. No one knows the words. We know this. We discussed this before. But everyone knows the Champions League music. I don't think I know the Europa League music, if they have music, and I certainly do not know the Europa Conference League music. So you're right there. Let's get back to those Tuesdays and Wednesday nights. And you know what? There's actually four sides that are going for fourth, right? There's us, those down the road, those other ones a bit further down the road who want to be in beef with us all the time, and United, right? But... That's a lot, man. That's no, a that lot. that is a lot. However, however, look at it like this. And this, people might be saying, oh, we've got to win them first. The league has been dominated by three teams because those other four sides that I've mentioned, the best goal difference, I think, is plus 10. Whereas if you look at Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City, their goal difference is they're in the 40s in points and their goal difference is plus 20-odd. That shows you the dominance of that, right? Of those sides. Um, However, that all said, Chelsea and Liverpool haven't been in the greatest form of late. Liverpool will be losing Salah, Mane and... Is it Konate? Um, To the AFCON. Um, I don't... Chelsea will lose Mendy and one other. Mendy's a big loss, man. Massive loss. And I think they lose somebody else. But my point is, we've got three games... Hudson Odoi. Hudson Odoi, yes, yes, that's right. Um, we've got three games in hand on Chelsea right now. If we mm. won all three games, I know it's an if, but if we were to win the game in hand against Burnley, who are not going well, Brighton, who have kind of turned the corner, but still, we should be winning that, and Leicester, Leicester. who haven't been going well. There are games in hand, so forget all, everything else, and we play Chelsea in the league in January. But if we win those three games in hand, I know they're not all going to be in January, but those three games take us to within a point of Chelsea, within a win of Liverpool. Okay? That means potentially, and yeah, I'll be shot down by this come the end of the season, I know, but potentially we could be three points off of the team in second or one point off of the team in second. That could mean that 
I feel like I feel like that's the life of a Tottenham fan. Calculate <laughs> games, calculate points. You could get no, only to not have to do end up time. without getting we have them. To do COVID times, right? But at the end of the day, we're sitting. We are oh, sitting man. six, which is two points off of West Ham, and one point off of Arsenal. Is the other way around, and they've both played two games oh, more than us, right? United are two points mm. off of us, playing the same number of games. So if we mm. both won our games in hand. And we just focus on those four sides. We are, as I said on the past on the pod a few weeks back, we are technically fourth. But again, we're counting games in hand. <laughs> you can't do it, man. You can't do it. It's a dangerous game, bruv. It's a dangerous game. It's so emotional, man. I'm here to be shut down. It's so emotional, bruv. It's so emotional. But I'm glad you stuck in that cap, man. I respect <laughs> you for it. I respect you for it for sure. Right. What we got left, Kwabna? Can I shout my cities that I've been neglecting? You guys have neglected, Yeah, please man. do, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. They only want to hear from you, Andrew, bruv. It's your, it's your tones that they want to hear. No, they want to hear me begging on about cities. They want to hear you getting it, guessing and getting it right as you've travelled 14% of the globe. Was it 15? <laughs> they don't want to hear from me, bro. All right. Who have we got? So shout to the guys from, or gals from Sata, Satama. I hope I pronounced that right. Do you know where that is? Where, sorry? Tama. I think it's Satama. S-A-I-T-A-M-A. Osatama? No, S-A-I-T-A-M-A. No, I've never heard of it. Japan. Wow! The people in Japan listening to us. Hey! It's big things, isn't it? Big things, man. Wait, what's... Is 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 Konnichiwa Japanese? Yes. Is that hello in Japanese? I hope, I hope so, it's man. not goodbye. I hope I someone. No, it is. Yeah, man. It is, hello. Because that was Skepta's album okay. title, wasn't it? Kenichiwa. It was, it was, yeah, yeah. Um, shout to Laporte. Do you know where that is? What? Laporte's spot like the player? Yeah, spot like the player, exactly. Nah, that could be anywhere, man. CO in United States. Is that Colorado in the States, is it? COL? CO. Yeah, that is Colorado. Um, shout to Aliso Vaijo. There's a city or town called Aliso Vaijo. Or Vijo, V-I-E-J-O. Do you know what that is? Sounds sounds Portuguese, um, but I mean, someone in Brazil listened to us, maybe? Quabin was a fraud. Is California in the States? Just say it. What? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, right? <laughs> Okay, alright, fine. I was happy to get that one to throw you off the set. <laughs> Shout out to the guys in Montego Bay. Where's that? Oh, yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, um, oh man, isn't that, um, St. Vincent? No. <laughs> the bands, the bands. I <laughs> Jamaica, bro, stand up. That was me, that was me, yeah, so yeah. I'm going to stand up for that one. <laughs> Shout out to the guys in Prague, new city, and guess we we're talking about chic. Oh, as well. okay, Prague. Oh, yeah. So maybe have a word. Have yeah, a word exactly. Um, have a word. Andrew's convinced he's the guy. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going to stick my neck out, my cock on the block, as they say, and go for that. Um, central district. Where's the central district? The central district of where? Well, that's all I've got. Central district. Nah, nah. I've got enough of you, mate. Hong Kong. Shout out to you guys. Oh right, cool man. Yeah, so we've got Japan and Hong Kong. Come through, come come through with the with the East Asian love, guys. We appreciate it, man. We appreciate it. We got Phoenix in the house, in the building. Really? Yes, Phoenix, Arizona. Uh have we had Montreal before? No, I don't think so. 
But I feel like our, can- our Canadian ties are coming through a bit strong recently. Yeah, you know? This is we're out here. We're out here. Yeah, something's happened. Something's happened, man. Right, and we've got last one. Because I think we've had Hampton before. So shout out to you guys if we haven't. And I think we've got... I don't know how to pronounce this. It's, X is always throw me. So it's either Biloxi or Biloxi. I mean, my success rate with these things are predicated on how you're willing to pronounce these things. And I feel like... I feel like... B-I-L-O-X-I. So that is Bravo, Indigo, Lima, Oscar, X-Ray. Is that X-Ray? Yale Xylophone. Indigo. X-Ray. It's X-Ray. So there you go. Phonetically given to you. You pronounce it. You tell us where it is, Mr. 14% of the world. Biloxi. Uh, it's, is there any any other, anything else like a county or something after that? No? Well, if I give you a county... Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Fair. That's how I know there's a county, bro. It's in the States. It must be in the States. Tell me which county, though. Um, I feel like it's somewhere... It sounds like it'd be somewhere like down south, like New Orleans. But New Orleans is more like a French flag, isn't it? So in New Orleans... Somewhere south, man. Um, where do I know that south? Are you taking too long? This is not great podcasting. Hold on. All right, no, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, right. Down south. Uh, Atlanta's down south, but no, that, that sounds way too funky to be out uh, Kentucky's down south. Mississippi's down south. Uh, I'm going to go with Mississippi. It feels like a bayou type place. Wait, wait, wait. You Googling? Right, so actually, I don't know if MS is Mississippi or Missouri. So... I actually don't know if it's Mississippi or Missouri ever. So I'm just going to give you that one. I'm going to give you that one. I'm going to give you half a point for that one. Wait, how do? What's half? Wait, what's half? Half a point because... Why is it half a point? I told you basically it's in the States. No, nah, you didn't tell me nothing, bro. You just juice. Listen, if you want to play, if you want, if you want to play this, this game, you yeah? Start you want to play this game? Partner, do you really <laughs> want to start 2022 in this fashion? <laughs> what, by winning? By getting things right, yeah, that's how that's how I want to start 2022. I want to start with Tottenham last minute winners, right, <laughs> and getting and getting quizzes right. That's what I want. That's how I want to start. Do you know how I want to start? Not, not only, not only that's how I want to start it. That's also how I want to continue. That's, that's, that's how I want to finish yeah. it, mate. That's it. 100%. You know how Lira wants to start 2022. Lira, <laughs> Lira, can't get what he wants, man. He can't get what he wants. With us on YouTube, <laughs> so I'm gonna set up tonight, guys. It's probably gonna be shelf. Um, side podcast or something but I guess if you listen to us on here and you're happy to continue to listen to us on here continue to do so because we're continuing in 2022 to bring you that content that banter that vibe that energy you'll hear more of Lero less of me more of Carl less of Pop guys we appreciate it man Um, thank you very much for listening if you are on Twitter, do drop us a follow on Shellpod. It's just interesting to interact with you guys, get some of your thoughts and your conversations, your questions, all that kind of stuff. We'd love to hear it. Um, yeah, you guys help create the content, man. It's not just us, so we, we appreciate that. Thanks for the engagement. Um, if you are listening on Spotify or on Apple, do leave a five-star rating because we only give you five-star content, so you know it makes sense. Give someone the gift of the pod. Tell a friend, tell a friend. We're growing a family. That's it, we're growing a ton of family. So, um, thanks for that. And also, just look, listen, thanks for listening. Uh, we're looking forward to a really exciting year. And we hope you'll be with us the whole way through, man. Best of best of everything to you guys, every one of you. From health to blessings across this year. Good times, nothing but good times ahead. So, yeah, thanks. It's, uh, it's uh, goodbye from me. And it's good night from me.
We remain unbeaten under Conte. So smile, guys. Because the sun always shines on the shelf side. Lero! Please find this outro. Where the shelf side, where the shelf side, where the shelf side, talking in.